Tell me again, Maximus. Why are we here? For the glory of the Empire, sire. Do you see that map, Maximus? That is the world which I created. For 25 years, I have conquered, spilt blood, expanded the Empire. Since I became Caesar, I've known four years without war. Four years of peace in 20. And for what? brought the sword. Nothing more. Caesar, your life, please. Please don't call me that. Come. Please. Come sit. Let us talk together now. Very simply, as men. Well, Maximus. Five thousand of my men are out there in the freezing mud. Three thousand of them are bloodied and cleaved. Two thousand will never leave this place. I will not believe that they fought and died for nothing. And what would you believe? They Maximus? fought for you. And for Rome. And what is Rome, Maximus? I've seen much of the rest of the world. It is brutal and cruel and dark. Rome is the light. Yet you have never been there. You have not seen what it has become. I am dying, Maximus. When a man sees his end, he wants to know there was some purpose to his life. How will the world speak my name in years to come? Will I be known as the philosopher, the warrior, the tyrant? Or will I be the emperor who gave Rome back her true self? There was once a dream that was Rome. You could only whisper it. Anything more than a whisper, and it would vanish. It was so fragile, and I fear that it will not survive the winter. We have an issue to address here at the Lurch. Um, Daniel, Daniel's been bullying me frequently. I feel like it's a hostile environment here. That's why I was absent from an episode. I had to take a moment to reflect. Is that why you brought your big brother? You that feel is, like you're getting bullied? That is definitely why I brought my big brother. My my, my big brother is here, Tim, and he's he's gonna correct this situation here. You know. <laughs> School, school's in session. I might not. I could be a bad older brother. <laughs> I, I trust you. you. I, right. I, we got trust here. Okay. <laughs> so, what are we talking about? We're talking about the army, the military. All right. All right. Perfect. So, me and Daniel have had some conversations about the military being woke and uh, what that means. 
I'm going to have Daniel explain that. Mm. Um, and then I guess Tim is going to come in and explain his experience in the military and, you know, uh, his perspective on what that is. So, mm. Daniel, if you want to go just off Spill on. the shit all over the table. Yeah, just do your thing. Just spill the shit on the table and then we'll clean it up. Okay, so, so I think it was motivated, but we've been talking about imperialism for a long time, mm-hmm. but it was kind of motivated by some tweets and stuff in the media I saw recently. Like, mm-hmm. there's that Tucker thing somebody sent me, like, Tucker's- Wait, what's the Tucker thing? Well, he's saying, like, I thought it was funny, frankly, in the sort of way that Trump is funny. Well, not quite the same way, because Trump is actually, like, a comical, buffoonish, like, intentionally mm-hmm. comical guy. Tucker's one of those guys who's funny but doesn't mean to. But I thought it was funny. Whatever. Daddies didn't find it funny. He says, okay, so China is in this crisis of masculinity. And they're saying, you know, men are becoming more effeminate. um, Mm. And we need to make the military more masculine so that we can be victorious, yada, yada. I mean, it's normal stuff. The army, you know, it's masculine thing, kind of, people might say. Even if that's wrong, it's not unreasonable. So they're saying we need to be more masculine. Tucker says, well, what's happening in America now with Joe Biden in office? Well, we're trying to self-consciously make the military more feminine. You know, like female form-fitting body armor, uh, uh, fatigues for pregnant uh, soldiers, um, or people in the military. Um, What else? Oh, and then, yeah, and then some very high-ranking... military official put a book on a recommended reading list about um, um, the role, the sort of essential role of racism in America right. in history. And right. so, and so then that sparked a sort of, you know, I mean, up until that point, I felt like it was just sort of good, dirty fun. It was just sort of stupid humor. But at that point, then he tried to get really serious and, um, He's saying things like, well, you know, why do we have people in the ranks saying that America is essentially morally wrong? It doesn't seem like you would want those people in your ranks because it's going to mess up your military. Okay, so they go back and forth and they kind of want to like grill this guy on the record and get him kicked out of the army and all this kind of stuff. At least that's what they say. They want to cancel him? They want to cancel him. (laughs) It's a conservative cancel. It's a... All right. It's a CC. You got to cancel a guy. I feel like it's... Cuck cancel? I don't know. Something like I don't know. <laughs> who's who's the cuck? I don't know. Just feel like that. That's the language they use. I feel like the irony is there's just some irony to be had there. Um, but there's more trivial shit. Like I don't know. I saw a tweet. This person, Jackie Ina, I think I don't know how to say it. A I N A. She uh, she's in the military. She's a uh, makeup artist, and she you know it's this tweet. You know, in the military, she learned how to do public speaking, command a room and all this stuff. And now she uses that as part of her experience in the military diversity. And now she's a diversity activist, um, identity activist and so forth. And so it just, it just seems to me like, I'm not saying that military is woke, like, like brace yourself. Justice is coming under the B-52s. Well, inshallah. But cause that's not going to happen, <laughs> but I am, but it does. The, what the hunch I had was that, We've seen this before. The institution, the establishment appropriates and co-opts whatever it can, however it can to do whatever it wants. And so now the establishment doesn't actually, sure, it'll throw concessions to all kinds of people and it'll use this. And just like capitalism used racism to divide working people to its advantage, 
potentially it will now use anti-racist rhetoric to its advantage. And so I'm not saying the army's really woke. I'm saying it's a cynical ploy on their part, perhaps, to exert unlimited domination. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. All right. Okay. Um, if I could jump in. Um, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the main points is, you know, is the Army trying to co-op this whole kind of movement toward being more inclusive of all people? I think the Army's kind of been doing that, or the military in general has been doing that for, you know, a long time, especially recently. The military's been doing that. And it, I think it's very important that the military continues to do that. Now, you know, speaking in terms of, you know, what happened after post-World War II, how, you know, you have the GI Bill and you have, you know, any kind of public services that weren't offered to, you know, black troops who fought in these wars. Now, the military was willing to already integrate these soldiers into the military. They were willing to offer black troops, you know, positions in combat when they were used to be limited to being chefs and more logistic side. That's very generous of them. Yeah, right? <laughs> they also, well, one of the major things that they gave them was, uh, you know, they actually let them fly planes. So, you know, about the Tuskegee Airmen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it happened during World War II, and they actually gave them the opportunity to fly planes. Of course, their qualifications had to be a lot higher than the standard, but they had the opportunity. But when they come back, they don't have these same opportunities that are afforded to them by their own government. So the militaries offered them opportunities to become integrated in its ranks. But the government says, well, you know, you might have been integrated in the military, but we can't offer you these same benefits. Not yet. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, you know, they have to question why. Why Why can we serve our country and fight for our country? But when we, you know, try to reap the benefits of fighting for our country, we get denied. And the military, I think, has kind of been progressive in terms of guaranteeing that all its soldiers and all its troops have the same benefits that any other person would have. Because inevitably, these are troops that are going to fight Mm-hmm. And possibly die for other people. Mm-hmm. So, as far as being accommodating, I think that's something that the military has been, you know, very forward on. I don't think it's, I don't think that as of now they're trying to co-opt any movement. I just think that right now, since the movement is so prevalent, mm-hmm. and you know, the military is, you know, getting a, a little bit of, uh, uh, I guess, people are looking at the military because scrutinized. Right, it's a big talking point. <clears throat> and so, if I can jump in, also yeah. like. More specifically, right now, um, you had that insurrection on the Capitol, right? Mm-hmm. So right now, the military has been pushed by the commander-in-chief, Joe Biden, um, to address white supremacy in the military. Yeah. Um, and the corollary or the other side of that is to also, when you're addressing white supremacy, you're also going to have to address the racist history of America. Why is there white supremacy inside of the military? So <clears throat> that's what you're seeing. That's that's to address the the admiral who was the military official who put out a, a book on his reading list about uh, anti-racism or about race, the racist history of America. Yeah. And um, that's to address that. And then also um, the uh, the woman who was a um, a makeup artist inside of the military and mm-hmm. is now a diversity activist. Mm-hmm. Um Basically, there first there are multiple jobs in the military, so right. that job exists, and it's just a question of anything as far as in anybody's life, your prior experience is going to dictate your future endeavors. So she went into the military when she was young, and now that she's out, she's using those skills in the real world, and the military is using is is putting her out there, putting her face out there, 
um, because they have to address this concern of racism in the military. So who better to address that and kind of have a twofer? We're going to show you you can have a life outside the military, the merits of military service Mm -hmm. in and out of the military. And we're going to address the concerns of racism within the military. Mm -hmm. And this is something that they have to do because the military addresses every concern in the world like yeah one of the jobs i was gonna i was gonna have in the military when i was in rotc was i was gonna be an anthropologist and the anthropologists were sent into afghanistan to learn the culture of afghanistan that didn't mean they were being woke in afghanistan by no no you know i'm not saying that. hiring right. more translators or sending in anthropologists to learn the culture mm-hmm. to teach soldiers the culture that's just the part of you know combat readiness it's a part of training yeah. and going back to you know what uh uh, Jackie was talking about what she was talking about was more soft skills. Like she wasn't talking about a specific MOS or a job that she had. She was talking about some of the soft skills she learned, like leadership and speaking to a crowd, and that's stuff like you might learn in like a speech class, like general stuff. But, yeah, yeah. Can I just clarify two points? I want you to jump in, but I just want to clarify two points. First of all, yeah. it's not like I like Tucker Carlson or something, right? <laughs> Conservatives can object to this. Right. For one reason. Right. And socialists or Marxists or whatever your pick your label can object to it for another reason. Right. I the reason so he is doing this jingoistic love America mm-hmm. or leave it unconditionally, right. blah blah blah. Right. And that's that's not my jam. So right. we don't agree. Don't like him. I just just found it interesting. Second thing, it isn't just um Jackie saying that the military tweeted right. this about her being mm-hmm. a diversity mm-hmm. activist. So they are adopting that language, just yeah. to be clear. Right. 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 So, yeah, I don't think that's really even strange for the military. Because uh, as far as internally, when you have, you know, you actually have classes, equal opportunity classes, and they're, you know, certifications that you have to get based on diversity. So it's not that the military isn't even preaching about diversity internally. But you might not see it from an external position, but internally, yeah, we, you know, went to plenty of courses about diversity. I mean, just recently before I got out, we were just starting to have courses about, you know, uh, transgender and how how to integrate transgender people in the military, how to adjust to that and how to address that. Mm -hmm. So the military internally, this isn't new, Um, you know, addressing even what Jackie was talking about. That stuff isn't new in the military and even diversity in the military isn't new. Now, the military promoting it. Mm-hmm. Um, That's more what I'm referring to. So, right. So, the military um, promoting it on social media is That's new. That's what I'm talking about. But, again, social media is new. And the military, again, hasn't really had... So, uh, I'll bring it back to a, uh, just a, a really quick segue. Less than 1% of the population are veterans in the United States. Less than 1%. That's have ever served in the military. So, as a... You know, right now, the people that are alive, maybe three and a half million people have served in the military. There's maybe, you know, a third of that that are actually active in the military. So the military isn't great, clearly, at recruiting. They haven't been perfect at recruiting. So when you only have 1% of your population that's willing to volunteer for the military, you have to find ways to, to get more troops involved in the military. You have to do whatever you can. So that goes to social media. You know, any kind of marketing campaign. And I've seen some terrible ones. The the one right now is awful. <laughs> but I mean, hey, I, I'm not the PR, you know, person, but they've had some terrible campaigns and they've had some good ones. But I think the diversity one is kind of poignant, especially for the time we're in right now, 
mm. is to kind of promote that because you're trying to get troops to join. And you're trying to get more troops, you know, from the modern era, from kids that are 18 to 24 to join. Yeah, that's yeah, that's like Joe Camel with the cigarettes. Right. You, know, you got to market that stuff. Yeah, so I don't think it's as dangerous as Joe Camel trying to, you know, <laughs> really push, uh, unless you really, unless your ideas of what the military's purpose is, and I'm sure we're going to get into that, of what you think the purpose of the military is, then you might think that, hey, Mm. The marketing the kids is wrong or the marketing the kids is kind of bad. But as far as what they're trying to do, that's what they're trying to do. It's trying to find more people to join the military and more people from a diverse background to join the military. Yeah, I was curious, actually. I was I, I, you mentioned the transgender um, issue. Yeah. And, I, and I was sort of thinking about this when you were talking about the military sort of... Um, having a history of trying to be more um, or being inclusive and diverse um, just because like, it seems that and maybe this is just like my own misconception, but it seems like the military is often sort of lagged in terms of its approach to like sexuality issues, specifically like gay men serving in the military. Like the nineties had the don't ask, don't tell stuff. And, and it seems that like they've had issues with that in the past. So and so I'm kind of curious in terms of, you know, from like an internal perspective, like what that conversation is like, you know what I mean? Um, I'll be honest, it's super awkward because the military yeah. isn't like super, they're not really well trained to yeah. even, to like understand and talk about it. <clears throat> so the conversations are really kind of off the cuff. Mm. I mean, of course, there's a lot of, there's some strict training guidelines and documentation, but as far as the the trainer the person who's actually giving the training, they're not really well-versed. They kind of just got to sign that class so they have to teach it. Yeah. But yeah, so it's it's definitely, you know, kind of rudimentary as far as they're trying to training on transgender issues and diversity issues. But yeah, I mean, they try. But as far as like um, homosexuality in the military, that's always been a... Um, in the military, it's been one of those things where it's, it's known that it's there. And... It's not even necessarily discouraged. Uh, it wasn't discouraged amongst in the ranks. Mm. So amongst soldier to soldier, it's not generally discouraged. Mm, but okay. it's a matter of policy is where it's discouraged. I see. So soldiers, I mean, we've known that there have been, you know, gay soldiers forever. We've mm. always known. And you can tell, you, we know which one of our battle buddies is homosexual. We know which one of our battle buddies chooses whatever, whatever sexuality they choose because we talk amongst each other. So we mm-hmm. know each other. And we know each other in and out of work. So it's not that something like that is so secretive amongst the ranks that nobody knows. And that if we ever found out that our battle buddy, I say battle buddy just means like, you know, person next to you. Yeah. Somebody you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you 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 might find out and it's never a point where it's, it's somehow an issue where you need to address this or tell command and, hey, I found out that my battle buddy's sleeping Mom. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so well, I think... Go ahead. Go no, ahead. no, no. I, I just wanted to... Because then to sort of segue into something else that you mentioned, which was... I didn't realize that the numbers were that low. The number of veterans is only 1%. Yeah. Um, it's very low. And so I'm kind of curious... Um, what your thoughts are on something like military, like like military conscription, where like all you know, because the military's you know, as right, you mentioned, right. has an issue with recruitment, um, and so I, I guess I'm kind of curious as to what you would think about that, because you know, the, you know, the America's always had this sort of idea that like it's 
you know, people choose to sign up and they right. choose to go. No, right, right, and of course that's complicated because a lot of people mm-hmm. don't necessarily choose. They are kind very of forced true. into it because it's the best thing that they can do, especially right. if they're coming from, you know, a life of poverty or something. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, military conscription is something that a lot of other countries have that America doesn't have. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, I guess I'm kind of curious from, from, from someone who's kind of been, you know, in the military, what that, you know, what your thoughts are on that. So yeah, um, you know about your, your your first point about you know uh, like well, military conscription. I don't I don't think that conscription conscription is uh, I don't think it's something that America needs to do. It's something that could it could do, but first off, would meet we would need to transition what the military's purpose is mm. and expand what the military's purpose is. Yeah, um, and one of the things you were talking about your your other point was that you know how. Sometimes it's not really a choice how you come from situations where that's your only choice. It's very true. And it's, uh, I was actually talking to somebody recently about how, why it's bad during times of war, because what you're doing is you're just getting, you know, bodies from the least, you know, advantageous communities, people who have really no opportunities and no options except to join the military to Mm -hmm. be sacrificial lambs for you in your war. Mm -hmm. So that's always, you know, comes across as a bad thing. And people really can pick up on that. I know. You're going to say but? No, 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 no. Okay. No, no, okay. <laughs> no. So no buts to that. People really can pick up on that. And it, there really is a, uh, a sense of that, like during when the first Iraq war picked up, when they started trying to recruit out of, yeah. you know, urban At my high school. Right? Yeah. And trying to, you know, get young kids who, you know, really had no options into joining the military to fight in this war. And that's a bad thing when you start looking at it as to why there weren't these level of recruitment efforts before we had this war, and especially in these communities. Mm-hmm. So, you know, okay. you know, when, when you're trying to recruit soldiers, you got to make sure that you're not just trying to recruit them to be bodies in a war. Mm-hmm. But as of now, when we're transitioning from wartime to peacetime, and we're going from war to garrison life, garrison life is just being back on base, then I don't think it's a bad thing for you to start trying to recruit soldiers. Uh, and even in less, you know, advantageous communities, because mm-hmm. now you're trying to recruit soldiers to take care of responsibilities that aren't fighting and dying, mm-hmm. that yeah. are more, you know, mm-hmm. um, on the national defense level, locally at home. So I don't think it's a bad thing in that respect. But when, yeah, when you're recruiting to, for troops to go to war, mm-hmm. you're looking for the least, the people with the least opportunities to find your war, I think it's a bad thing. Well, you don't even necessarily have to be predatory. I mean, in my family, I come from a, a poor rural area background right. and yeah. uh people in the military they didn't join i mean god knows what went through the head but you know we joined because we're poor and i don't i'm not in the military my father wasn't in the military but i got some military people a little farther back anyways um my experience isn't relevant but i mean so let me recap something and then maybe we should define something and there are a few things you said i want to go back to mm-hmm. yeah. so first so what i'm sensing is this in the sort of trajectory of historical development, the military has been ahead of civilian government when it comes to uh, minimizing uh, discrimination on the basis of like visible phenotypic features, desegregation, these sorts of things. Yeah, The military has been ahead of the curve on that front. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I mean, it's obviously motivated by warfare. You get the Navajo, like, code talkers and the Tuskegee Airmen and all this stuff. And Mm -hmm. it's not pretty, but, hey, history isn't pretty, so fair enough. I won't hold it against them. They're ahead of the curve of civilian government. Right, right. 
that does seem to be an undeniable fact. That's something maybe we should go into. Other thing though is, I mean, we didn't define, I don't know, maybe this is pointless, but so when I, when I think of woke, the term woke, I mean, we might be worth defining it. Like at least as I, as I understand the word, it means something like, you know, I'm not a sucker. I know what's going on. The world isn't good and it's broken along racial lines. It's broken along gender lines and it, something has to be done about it. And so now pardon the comparison because it's not the same, but there are a lot of people who don't think they're suckers and don't want to be suckers in, in different ways. But you know, right. I'm not saying these are the same, but the conspiracy theorist also says like, well, everybody basically thinks that the world is this sort of way, the establishment, but I know it's not that way. I know it's fucked up behind the scenes. And so there's something about the woke attitude, which is like, I know that shit's fucked up. And somebody should do something about it. I mean, that seems to be the essence of it to me. And that's my charitable interpretation. It goes down bad paths where it's like demonstrating moral superiority and all that stuff. But I think the basic thrust of it is like, you know, I know what's going on. And and it doesn't usually take the class form. It usually takes the gender, sexuality, race form. But maybe we should talk about what that is. So how I see it. So... A term is a term, and it's a slang term. I'd like to say that first. So everybody having a common understanding of a slang term is not going to be generally possible for a generation at minimum. Um, And it's a new term. So like how I understand it in its nefarious components is trying to use the uh, discourse around civil rights and identity in order to um, manipulate um, certain populations, mm-hmm. you know, towards whatever endeavor you're trying to manipulate them to, like you know, Nike hiring Colin Kaepernick or Gillette having that, you know, toxic masculinity ad. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. some or or my favorite, the 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 Kylie Jenner ad, the Pepsi ad. Oh that's, yeah, that's, that's yeah, number yeah, one. Yeah. I was Kendall. I was Kendall. Kendall. Sorry, sorry. sorry. <laughs> this is the commercial branding oh, yeah. dimension. About, that was, that was Black Lives, the Black Lives Matter protests, and she gives the cop of Pepsi, yeah. and she ends oh, racism. Wow. It's, better. it's the best. It's really bad. It's, but that's the thing. Is that an it's accident or is the that the best. substance? Well, that's, I think that was the substance of that commercial. Oh, that is well, definitely that commercial, the substance. Right. I feel like it creeps in. It's like, how many times can the neighbors upstairs, you know, fucking toilet leak before you got to, you know, move? Right. You know what I mean? Well, <laughs> I, mean, well <laughs> hey, hey, I didn't mean to bring up that. <laughs> so, that was very personal. Yeah, close to home. Sorry, 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 sorry. But, um, so what I'm saying is like, um, that's kind of how corporations weaponize the idea of being woke. You're woke to this thing that's wrong in society and we have the cure and it's our, you know, our, you know, soda, it's mm-hmm. our razors. Well, yeah. they try to profit from it. Right. I mean, yeah, that's they're the not trying motive. to necessarily just hurt people, but they're trying to profit. So when you're talking about the idea of being woke in the military, so you're take, so for me, it will be taking that idea of weaponizing or utilizing um, identity and social justice towards a certain endeavor. So you have to think about what that is in the military. And the military's um, mission is to fight and win wars. Or I don't, Timothy can address what it is during peacetime, right? That's mm-hmm. what it is during wartime. Mm-hmm. So if you are utilizing culture and identity during wartime, right, you're telling people there's something wrong in society. 
Um, you're addressing that concern in order to fight wars because what that comes down to in the military isn't necessarily we're going to sell you some shit or we're going to rile you up when you're talking about like media personalities or yeah. it's not a political endeavor mm-hmm. where we're trying to get you to vote for us. It's we're trying to win this war. So it becomes a question of combat readiness. Mm-hmm. So it's okay. Um, we're identifying that we have pregnant women in the military. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's not to say we're recruiting pregnant women. That's what came across in Tucker Carlson. Yeah, bullshit. Tucker Carlson is a buffoon. Yeah, um, right. You don't but, send pregnant women into combat right. either. Well, there are pregnant, not in kidding? combat, but. No, no, no. No, 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 no. no. Who Combat <laughs> women, come at, sorry, pregnant women don't go into combat. No, no. For anybody who listens to this and you, you're worried about so the pregnant So there's not wife, an AR 15 gunsling no, for pregnant women. No, <laughs> right. No, 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 no. So no. if he's addressing. <laughs> Basically, we need women to have maternity uh, uniforms. And what was more kind of ridiculous in his whole diatribe was him uh, being aggrieved about women getting better fitting body armor. Yeah, yeah, that's fucked up. Fuck Tucker. That's not the point. Tucker's not the point. Right. So when you're using ideas like that, we have Damn right they better have armor that fits if they're going to be fighting. And it's also like addressing don't ask, don't tell. And don't ask, don't tell. That's something that was dictated by the government. That's dictated by the commander in chief. Civilian government, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the military, I think, kind of pushed for a way to keep you know, homosexuals in the military. And the compromise was don't ask, don't tell. I see. And, you know, after that was removed, no one complained, nothing happened, right? Now we have more people who are combat ready Mm because a part of fitness is a part of your mental fitness. It isn't just physical fitness. Mm -hmm. So when you're concerning, when when you're addressing the concerns of, you know, uh, I guess like like minorities who are uh, worried about um, uh, white supremacists in the military or even if you're talking to people who are worried about gangs in the military mm-hmm. you're going to address those social concerns in order to uh, you know uh, assuage the uh, the uh, the mental pressures on the rank and file so that they are better ready for combat mm-hmm. and it, you know um, there's other things we can talk about like how it's a retention issue mm-hmm. so you have women in the military Women, or what Joe Biden was saying is that women tend to leave the military. Mm-hmm. So we want to retain these people mm-hmm. because we've already trained, trained them. And, right. yeah. Country costs. You don't want to train people you know, twice. Like Tim, Tim had something good on like the math about retention if he wants to. But we should talk about the costs in military because I think the yeah. costs are a fundamental part of the purpose right. of the American military. So, oh, know. man. So, I mean, I don't want to get too much into the cost because some stuff I totally think is ridiculous and some stuff is just pretty standard. But like the cost to train a troop, mm-hmm. to send a troop from, you know, basic training to AIT to your first duty station is about two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Yeah, I'm I'm not totally sure about that amount now, but it's around that much. It's around two hundred thousand dollars to train every troop, and you know that's with them getting paid as well. So you know when you have your you sign up for your first four year contract, the pay is included in that. No, 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 no. no. Oh, oh, that's, sorry, sorry. No, they still no, need to be paid on top. Okay, right. okay. and like, then you get paid on top. Okay, okay. so. You know, a general contract, your first active duty contract is going to be four years. So you're going to make maybe another $200,000 on top of that from your first, you know, four-year contract. So that's $400,000 for four years. Now, 
if you retain them for another four years, now you're only going to be paying them another $200,000, maybe a little more if they get promoted. Mm-hmm. So that's $600,000 over the course of eight years. And you know, mm. keep expanding that. But you just saved yourself two hundred dollars instead right. of getting a new guy. So now we have to, instead of training troops every four years, if we retain some of these troops, then we can avoid some of these costs. So, and you retain the knowledge. Right. Of mm-hmm. And more importantly, the veterans. Yeah. So especially when you're talking about during like right now or previously when we were talking about combat, Mm-hmm. Very important to train to retain troops who have an understanding of combat. Because mm-hmm. trying to train, you know, new troops and then trying to retrain or trying to train new trainers mm-hmm. is going to be difficult. Mm-hmm. So you want somebody with some experience about you know the current situation. And as far as like women and back to Tucker Carlson thing, I know I'm trying mm-hmm. to get away from that. Mm-hmm. But um, as far as you know, his talking about how it's a mockery, the military is a mockery. That's probably the opposite of what it is. Is he was talking about the masculinity of China. Now, we can use China as an example. I mean, I hate, you know, trying to pit other nations against each other because I think it's That's all, what he's trying to do. Right. Yeah. I think it's all bullshit. Because um, I don't know, if a, a lot of people don't even really realize that when the U.S. was making all of its plans during nuclear, t- the nuclear, um, um, uh, what is it? The nuclear crisis? The Cold War. Cold War. Mm-hmm. Before, like during that whole time, mm-hmm. we had a lot of training programs and a lot of training operations that involved what would happen during the nuclear mm-hmm. war. Yeah. They all involved us defending the US. Russia's plans were all of them defending Russia. Mm-hmm. So I don't think China right now is plotting on taking over other countries, plotting on how to get to the United States mm-hmm. or plotting By on no how means, to, no. Right. So it's I don't more think, economic. Right. I don't think that's really the point of, you know, what they're trying to do in China. But as far as the U.S., let's say that is happening. So let's say, you know, China has a billion and a half people. Sorry. China has a billion and a half people, which means they have 750 million men, give or take. So their military. That's has pretty a, big, isn't it? Right. You have a pool of 750 million men that you can pull from. We have 300 million people. 330 million. Yeah. It's raining men. <laughs> but I mean their army is huge right their army yeah, is massive it has to be it should be I mean they have a billion and a half people you got the numbers even if they had 1% like we do mm. it's not the size of the military it's the size of the fight it's how you use it oh yeah it's how you use it. <laughs> yes oh, you go with the dog Tucker not the size of the dog it's the bite and the dog not the size of the dog whatever yeah size of the fight whatever he is trying to stir up nationalistic race eh, I, I won't I mean maybe I don't know he's definitely nationalist just go with yeah. bigotry and using yeah and using that anti uh, yeah. thing for his political purposes that's definitely clear do you want to jump in on this right. oh no 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 I'm just I'm, I'm. so we can go on and talk about like the purpose so me and Tim were talking about what dictates the purpose of the military right right mm-hmm I want to go into this, but is there one thing we can address before we do? Go for it. Okay, because you've used the phrase now twice, white supremacy in the military. Um, Mm. And there's... It's no surprise that you're going to have that in this country. Um, But um, something we've been talking about before, sort of spitballing around about topics for podcasts, um, imperial privilege uh, was a topic that we talked about once. And, And I want to talk about, just briefly, like... You know, we've got, um, you've got, there's white supremacy, it's a thing, uh, but there's a tendency among Americans, I think, to think in terms of, you know, everything domestically, Americans Mm -hmm. 
Do you want to just wait and let that blow over? Michael, pick that up. That's oh, uh, probably just yeah. Let's just point him that way. <laughs> Bobby hits. Somebody's jamming. Yeah. Up, up. There we go. Anyways, uh, we'll just just pretend like that's not there. Um, I mean, there's a tendency that's where it's coming from. Among Americans, we think about everything from the American perspective. Like America's what counts, and if it's not in English, it's kind of you know just whatever collateral mm-hmm. damage. And so, I mean, there's white supremacy in America between so-called white Americans or Americans who are white, however we want to put this, black Americans, Americans who are black. Um, but you know, we cut these terms, you know, white, black, and so forth. There are there are black people who aren't in America, but when we use words like black or there are white people who aren't in America when we apply these terms which have different history different context it distorts stuff that's a first consideration you know the sort of American perspective when it's applied to the rest of the world I mean what about talking about white supremacy not in terms of domestic relations between American whites uh, and American blacks but I mean you know we're going to get to this the purpose of the military right. I think what about black and brown people who aren't American uh, mm-hmm. non-white mm-hmm. people who aren't American, but they're under America's boot. Now, you know, some people make fun of me. They call me a third worldist, like some new left 68er who wants to talk about <laughs> imperialism or whatever. Right. Like I'm my grandpa or something. Yeah. But no, you know, but that's a thing. Right. Um, and so it's, you know, it's, and it's an imperial privilege in a certain respect. Mm-hmm. Equality in America, that meant that privileges, not, I don't mean that in the, sense that people say oh you you have the entitlement mentality you 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 know no i mean privileges are something that you enjoy you know you're entitled to it equality people have the same rights as as we should well what does that mean that means an american citizen citizen of an empire enjoys things right equally um which other people who look like them don't who get who get stomped by right. us and so yeah, I mean, I don't mean this. I don't mean that there shouldn't be equality, but let's just talk about, for like, just for example, civil rights. Why don't Black Americans have the same rights that White Americans have? Yeah, they should. But even if we extend the rights that White American White Americans enjoy to Black Americans, that doesn't mean we're not, you know, destroy like smashing the shit out of Southeast Asia. Right. right. So. What or I would say to that is wherever you've got you've got two issues, right? Um, addressing like the uh, you know white supremacy in the military is kind of a, a simple matter that you have to do, mm-hmm. and that idea is America's the the military is built to protect American interests. Mm-hmm. So the we'll talk about the second part, which is the subjugation of other peoples mm-hmm. outside of America. But the first order is America needs to be ready to, in a sense, subjugate those people for the interests of America. And guess what? You're going to have to include everybody to do that, you know, in a sense. Um, and when you're talking about white supremacy in the military, you often have a predatory nature uh, nature of all those types of insidious institutions. That's like I brought up gangs in the military. That was mm-hmm. a big concern mm-hmm. in the military. Gangs were recruiting outside of the military. It's a vulnerable population for recruitment um, into, you know, extrajudicial type of organizations. Hmm. Um, So when you're addressing white supremacy in the military, you're addressing that the same way you're addressing gangs in the military. Um, So that's the the first order. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And then the second thing what we're talking about next is imperialism mm-hmm. and how the military is involved. The imperial project of America is dictated by the politicians. They create that policy. Um, so as far as what America is doing abroad, that's that's just the mission. So when we're addressing that concern, it's kind of like the opposite. When you're addressing white supremacy in the nation, the military is often very progressive and it's often a force to progress things within the nation. But outside of the nation, you're not going to be able to you're not going to be able to use the military to promote progress, in in my opinion. Um, um, And that's going to be something what you're going to have to do in that order of operations is you're going to have to deal with the politics first, Mm. because that's what dictates the mission. Um, well, so, also the industrial interests. Sure, I mean, that's, that's what dictates the politics, right? The right. industrial interests dictate the politics, then the politicians dictate the mission of the military. So you're talking about the order of operations here mm-hmm. is opposite than the order of operations for civil rights. Because mm-hmm. civil rights is, when we're talking about legal rights, mm-hmm. let's, let's say that, not civil rights as in economic rights. When we're talking about legal rights, you're often talking about argument and discourse and access. So you can use the military in your argument to say, like Tim said earlier, we fought and died in these wars. Mm-hmm. We were effective. Why don't we enjoy the same rights? Mm-hmm. And most of those are Why legal Why don't we rights. enjoy the imperial privilege like the others? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what we're saying. And well, yeah, I mean, as a matter to make, of- yeah, To sorry. make that argument, you can use the military to make that argument. Why don't we enjoy the same imperial privilege as everyone else? Mm-hmm. Right? We, we built this empire. Mm-hmm. Why don't we enjoy the privileges of the empire? Right, so well, I know you've got Spartan Spartan <laughs> impulses, whatever. <laughs> yeah, more more Roman than than, than Spartan in this case. Right, right. Uh, Spartans I'll, were kind of assholes. I say this <laughs> even on like behalf of the military. So anytime you hear any kind of military operations or any kind of wars in general, America's always promoted it as a way of liberating the people that are supposed to be. We're supposed to, you know. In the, in the countries that were supposed to be occupied. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the point of our occupation is to liberate the people who are, you know, under the boot of some oppressive power. Mm-hmm. So we're always fighting for freedom from, you know, from the military perspective. And that's true from the military perspective. And that's political. Right. But that's the problem is that these orders don't come from internally in the military. The military doesn't decide to go to Iraq, invade Iraq, kill Saddam Hussein, and establish a new democracy. The military doesn't decide that. Politicians decide that. Mm-hmm. Politicians talk to you know some of the chiefs of staff, joint chiefs, um, secretary of the army, secretary of the navy, whatever branch. Talk to them. They develop battle plans based on whatever, and all this stuff comes from multiple organizations. You have you know politicians that are involved, the intelligence community that's involved. Mm-hmm. That you know, as far as like Iraq was involved, and in, understanding that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction, it wasn't the military's intel. That was the CIA's intel that they got that there were weapons of mass destruction. Whether or not it was true or not, you know, this intel comes in. The military receives this intel. They develop plans for, you know, commandeering these weapons of mass destruction. Can't find any. So then our tactics change into why are we still here? Oh, well, Mm -hmm. you're there to liberate these people from under the guise of terrorism. Mm -hmm. Again, the military doesn't come up with these, with any of these, uh, you know, propositions. This isn't on a... Army's behalf, this isn't on the Navy's behalf, or anybody is saying, well, we're going to go into Iraq and liberate these people from terrorism. Mm-hmm. This happens, you know, from a federal level at the political front first, is, you know, this 
we're going to Iraq to liberate people mm-hmm. from the Taliban. Yeah. Or from Al Qaeda. Yeah, it's like um, when you're, you know, when you're in high school, you call that guy, you know, um, you know, get a six pack of beer for you, and then, right. but he doesn't have any beer. He's just got some pot. So you say, okay, well, I guess I'll take that. But he doesn't have any pot, so he's just got some coke. And you say, well, like, fuck, I whatever. Okay, I'll take that. Well, I don't have any coke. I just got some meth. And so it's like, do you want that? It's like, well, I. That has never happened to me. <laughs> well, that's that's what it's like. You start off like we're gonna get those weapons right. back straight. Uh, well, right. we're already halfway there. We're gonna liberate them. Yeah. It's like yeah. I, I wanted some beer, but I'll have some. some well, mass. it's like the it's mass. like the um, fallacy of the sunk costs. Sunk costs. You know, you yeah. you know, you know, you invest so much into something that you just gotta keep going, even when you right. realize it's not gonna work because you've already invested too much into mm-hmm. it. You know. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, think about what it takes to to get involved in a, you know, in a, a foreign conflict. It's insane. Mm-hmm. So the idea that you're going to get there and just be like, all right, actually, we fucked up. Let's leave. It's like, nah. no, the, the inertia is going to keep you going. Because we're talking about institutions. Yeah. We're talking about crossing the street. Right. But even past the inertia keeping you going, I think that is to negate the fact that I think the purpose of the war mm-hmm. was the ultimate place that the inertia took people Mm -hmm. right so the initial kind of i guess um excuse um was they have weapons of mass destruction right right that got everybody that 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 gave you the opportunity to uh work up the logistic machinery to get the troops over there Mm -hmm. to search Mm -hmm. for these weapons of mass destruction Mm -hmm. right but the ultimate purpose was you know, we want to extract these resources and we want to depose this this dictator who's going against the interests, the corporate interests. And who's going to do dollars. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And because that'll be the end of the American empire. Guess what? We've already got these troops here. Oops. Yeah. I mean, so this guy is evil. We're here. Right. Let's get him. You know, so. Yeah. That's kind of how to put like not to cap it, but to you know reiterate mm-hmm. um, the imperial project is kind of uh, dictated by the well, it's it's administered by the by the politicians, mm-hmm. and I can't necessarily say outside of like a conspiratorial mind, not mm-hmm. in a bad way, because conspiracies are often or an organizational mm-hmm. way. How who is organizing? What is the reason mm-hmm. why someone said or had the 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 thought process of mm-hmm. we need to depose this guy? Because he's de-dollarizing, and we need to extract the resources from there. I don't think that came from the government, right? Right. So who does that come from? Is the imperial side? There's the project for New American Century, and that site was taken down a few years after the war, but it was up before 2000. And the idea with all the neocons was we'll engage in a multi-front war and win on all fronts in order to reassert American uh, hegemony in the 21st century to show that. You know, we're still in charge after 50 years of fiat currency and everyone using our dollar as gold, basically. And yeah, yeah. So I mean, <laughs> go to YouTube and type it in. You'll find a slick little video. The website's taken down, but it's archived. And uh, so, a question I've got for Tim: uh, Basically, um, how do the rank and file do they think about the imperial side of the the project they're involved in? Number one, and the people who do, 
how do they reconcile that 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 cognitive dissonance? Surprisingly, yes. Think about it all the time. Why the fuck am I here? <laughs> all the time, and it's not just like you know one or two troops. It's a lot, a, a decent proportion of troops that think about that. But when they're following orders, they think about why they're following these orders, and are these just orders? So, the, so it, this caricature of just being a, a, nah, a robot or is just bullshit. Nah, we were talking about this on the way over here. Is that you know doing the the Black Lives Matter movement in the summer, and even with the Capitol riots. So during the Black Lives Matter movement, you had the troops that were supposed to be protecting the Capitol, right? Mm -hmm. Some of them felt like they should be amongst the protesters, mm -hmm. but they also had to defend against the protesters in case anything went wrong. So there's times when the protesters are yelling at them, saying they're traitors, and how could you do this? And mm -hmm. You're supposed to be with us to, mm -hmm. you know, black soldiers. And they're like, mm -hmm. well, you know, this is my job. I have to do this. But there is the same black soldiers were thinking, you know, I would really like to be over there and, mm -hmm. you know, protesting amongst you. Because, mm -hmm. you know, we have the same kind of ideals, but, um, you know, they can't. So there is that, there is that cognitive dissonance right there. Mm -hmm. But um, it's, and it's difficult to reconcile, is what you were asking about. It's really difficult to try to reconcile that, especially during times of war, mm -hmm. when your job is to literally kill people. So people are going to die from this. Mm -hmm. So how do you reconcile how um, the reason why you're in this foreign country mm -hmm. fighting these people and um, your belief that everybody should be treated equally and that perhaps maybe this isn't the best way of dealing with this is that the only way you can reconcile it is that you have to put the full trust in the leadership above you to make the right decisions, you know, based on your behalf. So you have to trust that your leadership isn't sending you into situations where you're going to compromise your morals. Mm -hmm. And you have to trust that the orders that you're following aren't morally compromised. And, you know, so, and, and it comes from the top down. So, you know, from your squad to your platoon to your battalion to your brigade to the post to the army in general, all of these orders trickle down. And yeah, there is that apprehension amongst every person in that chain of command about what, what the point of these orders is. So, you know, what you have to reconcile it is, is the leadership that gave me these orders that's pre mm -hmm. presenting this mission knows and is acting morally. Mm -hmm. And that's the only way that I can accept that this is right, mm -hmm. is that I can trust my leadership. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so there's plenty of times when soldiers have, you know, issues with being at war mm -hmm. or being in situations that they're not comfortable in or not even necessarily agree with. But, yeah, again, you just got to trust your leadership. And that's the only way to kind of, and it's more of a distraction than a true way of just coping with it. But, yeah, it's just really difficult to cope with, especially if you don't believe it. So, and if you really truly get to a point where, you know, you say, I'm just against this. I don't believe in this war. I don't believe in fighting. I don't want to be here. And then you can become a conscientious objective and basically abstain from war. And I mean, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure you'll get discharged, but mm -hmm. you won't be dishonorably discharged. You'll, you'll, you'll be discharged. I'm pretty sure. You might not even be discharged, but mm -hmm. yeah, you can be a conscientious object objective. Um, if you see that what you're doing is so contrary to what you believe in, mm -hmm. So contrary to you know your values that you hold morally, then yeah, you can get out. Um, so I picture three possible scenarios. Maybe there's yeah. more. Tell me what you think. The one, the one scenario is like I'm doing this. Maybe I have my doubts. Maybe mm -hmm. behind it, but like you said, a trust. Because I mean, let's face it, everyone has to trust in life. Because right. you don't. I don't know how my computer works. I just trust that it will. Right. That right. most of our life is trust. Um, 
I believe that all in all, even though some eggs get broken, we're making a good omelet. It's for the best. America, you know, I can't help it that America's a world leader. It's better than if Russia or China were world leaders. So I believe that it's for the best. That's one possible. The other one is like, fuck yeah, America, fuck these people. Like, we are the, you know, we got to do it because we're we, you know, and this Mm -hmm. is the weakest, lamest argument, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, just the... You know, like we're the beacon on the hill. We rule or the right. golden city on the hill. Yeah, shining, mm-hmm. shining <laughs> city. It's just like there are tribes, people fighting, and if we don't beat right. them, yeah. it, it won't be better for other people. It'll be worse for us, right. right? It's just about us, right? And then the third case is like, whatever, man. This is my job. I'm just trying to get by, right. which in a way is the just most understandable. Yeah, just following orders. I mean, that's where a lot of people are at. Like, yeah. it is your job. Um, those are the three I can picture. Totally. All three of those scenarios play out all the time. Is there a predominant one? Or? Uh, the predominant one is I'm just doing my job. Mm-hmm. Um, the second most predominant one is I trust my leadership. And then there's the, yeah, fuck yeah, America. There is that. But I wouldn't say they're, they're so far away from each other that, you know, that I'm just doing my job mm-hmm. and go America are so far apart from each other that they're mm-hmm. not kind of standard um, viewpoints of well, so doing my job because America's the shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you see all of it. You definitely see. Well, because we're American, we have to. We have to, you know, lead the charge and far as far as being the most advanced civilization and bringing democracy to these people. Well, who are, these savages, r- exactly. <laughs> and to be half <laughs> fair or yeah. charitable, not fair. Um, yeah. Um, Somebody the world has to was, civilize well, these people. Europe was broken. Right. The world was broken <laughs> after World War II. And the only place with the capital to rebuild the world and to fight, you know, the Red Menace. We got everyone into debt. So right. it was us, to buddy. Us. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, it was, you know, it was, it was, the, <laughs> it was the burden of America, that, that old poem. We, we still love it. Um, it sounds like the white man's brain. yeah <laughs> we still love it and um there was also you know you gotta you gotta f- fix what you break mm-hmm. and break the corporate interests said oh the world's broken you know like the south after the civil war let's go make some money let's buy it yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah so, so we should go into that yeah we I'm should go listening. into that um last point just before we switch yeah. topics is uh it's kind of kind of a off topic, but I remember there was an author I forgot his name, who was writing. He was used to write books, and he wrote a book about how every country should accept democracy, mm. and that was the way to further civilization was to accept democracy, and that's the only way that you should go. Mm-hmm. And he's having second thoughts, so now he's like, well, maybe that isn't the best way. Maybe we need an intermediary step before we go from you know socialism or communism to full blown democracy. So yeah, this huh. idea that America and Democracy, democracy, democracy everywhere. That even experts on democracy don't think that, you know, democracy is for everyone right now. Is the world ready for democracy? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if they're behind that there isn't, you know, like, maybe we need a few more dictators. Right. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, on the other hand, though, democracy in the mouth of American establishment is kind of like, say uncle, say uncle, I'll leave yeah. you alone. Say it. Mm-hmm. I'll leave you alone. Um, yeah. But yeah, I want to I want to say though um I don't just going back to like I don't think it's just rhetoric that the institution is adopting and 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 I realized when you two were talking we're not using the word military the same way I think. I see your concept of the army is like it's like an arm on a body. 
-hmm. It's not good or bad. It's a tool or a resource. And you're saying that this arm has perhaps a good brain, perhaps a bad brain, Mm -hmm. right? And so the brain is doing it. And the arm me is just like an arm on the body. And so, and I was thinking like, okay, okay. So now I see you're seeing it sort of from an inside perspective, the army as organization institution. I was thinking like this army in this country now, like super specifically. And so I was thinking, you know, it's not just the rhetoric that triggered in my mind, this considerations um, that the establishment is co-opting like uh, progressive stuff or the army is co-opting progressive rhetoric. Uh, it's more like the the American geopolitical economic um, establishment is using whatever progressive stuff people are already talking about in order to express its objectives. Um, and so, I think I mean we did a we did a conversation on intersectional imperialism, but I think we have to talk about like imperialism in the military. Like, what's imperialism? So um, basically, what, what, do you, what does it mean to you? What does it mean to you? Expanding your, um, I guess, hegemony or your your power and your influence over the, you know, whatever wherever you want to go. So first, to iterate, America still has colonies, right? We have the Virgin Islands, um, we have uh, Samoa, Guam, and uh, Puerto Rico, right? So we still have colonies. Ecuador uses the dollar. I mean, but well, we'll expand beyond like beyond that because there's more. Like, if right. you expand it to the dollarization of the world, you're expanding the empire even more, and then you start talking about that the fact that we have a thousand military bases, mm-hmm. right? But before that, we still have colonies, mm-hmm. so we still have an empire in the most literal sense of the word empire. We have parts of our society that are not included in the Commonwealth, mm-hmm. right? Um, so they have different laws that are dictated to them from our central government. So we have, we have, we have an empire still in the classic sense. And then if you expand it to um, an empire is people's influence over other people around the world, you start talking about the dollarization Mm -hmm. of the world. That's, that's the American Imperial project being spread even past, you know, it's territories. Mm-hmm. So now you're talking about the idea of us saying that uh, Juan Guaido is the president of Venezuela mm-hmm. when they had elections, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, Evo Morales isn't the real president because they had contested elections. And we think that, you know, mm-hmm. they need to we, we need to step in and make mm-hmm. sure that they can have the proper type of democracy. Mm-hmm. Right. So and the reason we're able to do that is because. Mm-hmm. Um, in, you know, uh, um, uh, Bolivia's case, they are, they do use the U S dollar. And in the case of Venezuela, we can do that because it's just, we use the excuse of the red scare, old socialism excuse and, um, the dictator excuse, right? So that's, you know, how the military is involved in the Imperial project, um, is we set up these bases because another part of the military isn't just to protect people, it's to protect the interests of the United States. Um, how, what, what is the actual, like, Tim, if you know the actual language that's used, like, to defend America and um, its, its allies, both foreign and domestic. It, so 
Yeah, I mean, but that's that's generally the purpose. That's what. So when we're talking about the military as being an arm of the United States uh, imperial project, it is the um, it's the military arm mm-hmm. of America's imperial project. But when you're talking about who dictates that imperial mm-hmm. project, again, um, I think you would agree it's more dictated by the dollar mm-hmm. than it is by the military. The military right, is just it. used to yeah. protect that dollar. War industry. You know, just in case someone wants to depose a dictator who wants to combat the dollar. And it's also not the American population. I mean, citizens in America get imperial privileges, let's say. But, I mean, it's not like every single American is out there dominating every single other person. No, we have an army. We have a weapons manufacturing complex with an army attached to it, which just needs to do this. And we get some privileges. um, We just don't get put under the uh, pressures of the Imperial Project. We're the center of it. We feed that Imperial Project. So the soldiers that we send out, if you're talking about the military's involvement, the the soldiers that are sent out to enforce the Imperial Project are fed by the citizens, right? The taxes pay for them, and we literally (laughs) create the products that sustain them. Mm -hmm. So that's why they're not used yet um, to hold down um, to, su- to suppress the civilian population. And, and they have been because they sent in the military in the, into the South after the Civil War to suppress that population for good and bad reason. And, um, you know, the military has been used to um, suppress organizing mm-hmm. in the United States. The, the military has been used to suppress... Crush unionization. Like the, the Red Scare. Yeah, to crush unionization. Ludlow, Colorado... So, Rockefeller got his buddy governor to call out the army to to burn the tent city down when they were striking the coal miners or whatever. There you go. So, um, you know, that being said, it's not, but that's still not dictated by the military, but that's the military's involvement. And of course, they're going to be involved in an imperial project, because if you're talking about like um, something on a lower level. If you're talking about um, like the institution of segregation back in the 60s and you have like uh, the police, the police aren't necessarily the ones dictating, um, you know, the the oppression. It's the community that tells the police, yeah, you need to keep these people on the back of the bus. You need to keep them out of these schools. You need to keep segregation going because they have you know, financial interests in keeping a niche market for themselves. But so I don't if if we're talking about imperialism, that just seems like a matter of fact question that if we're involved in a political in an mm-hmm. imperial project, the military is going to be the armed wing of that imperial project. Um, the question for me goes on to the next question. If we're ready, you guys can come back to whatever you want um, is if um the 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 population first and then the the politics becomes progressive so let's say bernie sanders was elected and his foreign policy is trying to uh de-dollarize the world and let them have some type of hegemony hegemony right they they would just whatever wait a sec bernie sanders is gonna de-dollar so let's say like he was in favor of like uh lula da silva was trying to make the 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 brick countries i forgot what that acronym is for brazil Um, brazil russia india china okay yeah and they were trying to de-dollarize right that's why he's gone that's why he's yeah that's why he's gone um for now 
because <laughs> he's running again. He's out of jail, though. He's, he's running again. Bless his heart. Um, so let's say you have a Bernie Sanders in, and Bernie Sanders is like, yeah, we're not going to stop them from doing that. Um, the military isn't going to jump on Bernie Sanders like, nah, buddy, we are going to stop them from doing that. Right, but when the brain tells the arm to go strangle him, the arm will do so. That's the question. Who Who is the brain in that situation? Is the brain the commander-in-chief of the military, the president? Or is the brain the corporate interest? Because the corporate interest isn't... The corporate interest has... Uh, secondary influence. They have right. a lot of yeah. influence in the government now because Biden shares interests right. with them, right? Mm -hmm. But if Bernie was president or anyone else, um, let's pick one of your favorites, AOC. Let's mm -hmm. let's say she's president mm -hmm. and God she doesn't. Inshallah. So I talk. Hold on. For, so yeah, as far as like yeah, just jumping on that the, that point. Um, the military is structured in a way that. Whoever the commander in chief is, mm -hmm. that who is, that's who is in control of the military. No question. There's not really a dissent amongst even military commanders, um, as far as who the commander in chief is. Plenty of military commanders hated Trump, mm -hmm. didn't agree with him, didn't even want to work with him, but right. they have no choice. Right. And it was even the the, the I think he was a navy current navy commander, navy general. Not sure, but who took the photo op with him? And he was even have, was questioning why he took the photo op because mm. he didn't want to get involved in this whole political argument. That he didn't want to be mm -hmm. have the military be presented as some kind of a, a political affiliation. It's like getting a selfie with, uh, right. with Gaddafi or exactly. something. Like, do you yeah. really want that? Right, right, right. Exactly. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think the military in general is uh, has. They don't really, you know, they're not betting on a uh, on a specific horse who's going to win this race. Whoever's in charge is who they follow. So I think if Bernie Sanders was in charge, it was like, yeah, brick nations make your own currency. So the military wouldn't be like, no. And even the powers that be, I don't think they have the capabilities of utilizing the, the military to um, contradict. Well, that's why we need the CIA. So yeah, so the CIA is very good at uh, uh, determining what you know mm. their own mission is. Mm. And to create their See, own this is so interesting because I, as you're as you're talking, I started thinking about um, so my best friend growing up, and like all through childhood and really into today, um, is Egyptian. Yeah, and he lived in Egypt during the Arab Spring. Yeah, and so you know one of the things that he often talked about was basically you know like um, sorry this thing was making a weird noise. Um, you know they ousted their president. Mm -hmm. um, they elected a new one but then the military basically there was like a military coup basically they yeah. just kind of decided like um, you know for various reasons a lot of institutional memory and they, they didn't they didn't like him um, and so that's interesting and I, so it's like I wonder how much because like the way that you're describing like the American military is that it, that it doesn't sort of have its own interests yeah. like self-interest in the way that like right. you know at least the Egyptian military seemed to. So have. we were talking about that earlier. If you, I'm, I'm going to let you jump off on it, but to set it up, um, talking about the structure of the military and how that doesn't lend itself as well as uh, to, to to dictatorship as it does in other countries. Mm. Yeah, you can. Um, yeah, so one of the ways I think the reason why the military wouldn't be so uh, uh, ready to to you know act, enact a coup against the United States is the military in general doesn't really see a lot of extra benefits. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that military personnel, even generals get that 
is more advantageous than the average citizen. So if, you know, the rules change, they don't have anything to gain. So if there was a coup, what would be the point of the coup? Well, but the generals, when they leave, can get a cushy job with a weapons manufacturer. Or, you know, maybe not generals, but like the the the, the power players go into the military-industrial complex. Usually, I, from... I don't know. From, maybe I'm, Maybe that's not correct, but... From my understanding, it's generally not like the okay. So you do you definitely have you know people who are um, company men. Yeah, they're so in you it. have people who are have interest outside of the military. Even higher ranking officials have you know interest outside of the military, but the majority of them, the vast majority, do not. The vast majority of military personnel, generals, colonels, high ranking officials, they have no connections to any kind of arms manufacturers or anybody else. And I know a lot of people think that. Well, this general is in, you know, in cahoots with Raytheon or, or Northrop Grumman, and they're mm. the ones who are buying these weapons because, you know, they have, mm. you know, stock interests. But that really doesn't happen as much. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's not a non-zero factor. I'm sure there's some generals who have some, you know, self-interest outside of the military. But for the most part, and, and nah. to on top of that, when we're talking about like the American military versus other militaries, like an example, I'm not too, I'm not well versed on this at all. So this is mostly just off the top of my head you can call it bullshit um the whole ordeal with iran when we (laughs) when we uh killed the general i forgot i forget his name suleimani when we killed suleimani Mm -hmm. assassinated him they were talking about him and this might just be american media i don't know how iran how iranians felt about him but as he was like the second in line to become the new president. Mm. So he had um, aspirations to become the leader of the country. When's the last time we've seen, I don't think we've had a general or even a, like a military uh, officer mm. become um, a president since I know Clinton wasn't mm. even in the military. I don't think we've even had anyone in the military since Clinton and Eisenhower was the last Whoa. general. Yeah, Bush, 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 yeah, Bush, 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 Bush two, yeah, okay, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Well, no. Bush Senior was <laughs> also in military. Well, Bush Senior was also had the yeah, CIA. No. He was yeah. also had the CIA. Yeah. yeah, yeah, killed Kennedy. But we, we, he definitely uh, killed Kennedy. Well, I <laughs> thought, I just, thought that no was Ted Cruz's. About it. I thought that was Ted Cruz's dad who killed Kennedy. Oh, they're probably all according. Well, they're to, all from uh, Texas. According to Donald Trump. Really? But Man, I'm so interested in like the next 50 years when all these secret CIA cables get released to the public when we oh, find God, out. I can't wait. Yeah, you oh, know, man. it'll be great. You know, it'll be yeah. great. All the millennials who can't retire because our system is fucked. Right. We will reach retirement right at the time when there's no yep. retirement, right when the truth comes out. And yeah. then we can, you know, check out so. and do it. You know, that I'm not going to say it on any sort of recording, but, you know. <laughs> You know, it's good, but you do our do the you know. I, the I know that you know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Little handshake. Sure. Um. Right. So before we go on, I just want to back up a second because yeah. talking about imperialism and stuff. Yeah. Um. I mean, I just I was sketching a few things. Where we were talking about this. I see. So I see the way I see imperialism is like you were saying. It's a domination of one land by another, but primarily through financial means in order to extract their wealth. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I would say violence is secondary and only comes in and really in failed cases. So mm-hmm. you, so you got capital investment, you got interests there on the ground, something doesn't go your way. Well, then we bring somebody in and violence mm-hmm. only really when it fails. So the primary means of domination is financial. And so I would say, yeah, it's determined by uh, corporate uh, capitalistic industrial stuff 
and then by politicians and then by military, which really just sort of executes it. But you got that sort of gray zone where they overlap a bit. But I would say three points about the purpose of the military, not in general. Like the military is just an arm. Okay, I accept that. But but the function of the military that we have in the geopolitical situation we're in, I'd say first and foremost, it's to buy and use up and buy more weapons, right? Because the way federal spending works is that you increase the amount written in the balance sheet of the weapons manufacturer when you buy their weapons. It's not like you actually print dollars and give them to them even. And you certainly don't go out and find gold. You just say, all right, now you got eight trillion and a half, eight and a half trillion or what do you, you got nine or whatever. So you just change their balance in the, in the fed um, or in whatever bank. And then it, you know, it changes in the reserves. Um, so you gotta, you gotta use those weapons up in order to replace them so that they can keep buying. Right. So the first function I'd say is that buy, use up and buy more weapons just so that money is just, it's like an IV of money into these weapons manufacturers. Second, Dollars, uh, the point of military, I think, is to spend dollars abroad, whether it's pouring concrete for airstrips or whether it's, you know, you know, buy and take out for a meeting of uh, officers or whatever at some local restaurant. You spend dollars abroad so that those dollars get spent back to the United States when those foreign countries who otherwise can't use that money use those dollars to buy bonds. And so ultimately, it's paper for paper. They get paper. They can't use it. What do they get for their paper? More paper. They get a bond. And what is a bond? What's well, a promise that they'll get more paper? Because what do they get? They get interest. That's just more dollars. What are they going to do with those? Right. But you know what so, that paper does? It offers security. Like, well, that would yeah. be the argument. Yeah, it's You have protection. our paper, you're secure. So you don't have our paper? So we get real <laughs> assets and power, and they get paper. So that's the function there. Mm-hmm. And third, um, in the failure case, we use force to enforce the interests of American capital investments abroad. But that's the last function, I'd say. It's primarily economic, and above all, it's financial. Um, yeah. See, I, I totally jump on your point of how it brings security. And I think that is really the general, con- the, the kind of promotion that America kind of puts forth is for why we are in so many other countries. And that's what we tell them. Because mm-hmm. right now in uh, Thailand, the mm. U.S. has pledged to never abandon Thailand and to defend them against China at all costs. Is that a reality? <laughs> we will see. Taiwan or Taiwan, Taiwan. You're right. So Taiwan is that a reality? We'll see. But um, you know, we we pledge that support. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Israel. So mm-hmm. you're surrounded by all of these uh, foreign powers that don't like you. Mm-hmm. Got your back as long as you support us. We'll support you. Need any more flak jackets? <laughs> <laughs> scratch mine. I'll scratch right. yours. Yeah. And I think that is the kind of consensus that we give every country. South Korea as well. South Korea. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, how we're in South Korea, we pledge support to South Korea as long as you are on friendly terms with the United States and you know uh, support our democracy and we'll support yours. And as long as that happens, then yeah, we'll provide you with security against all your enemies. So. Think that the imperialism of America comes with the cost, but also uh, we present it as a benefit to other nations by being the most uh, advanced, strongest military on the planet. That we can uh, offer you protection from the all finest of you, which products. Comes right. to my um, <laughs> the most infuriating contradiction yeah. in America to me is that they always say no two democracies have all ever gone to war with each other, and then in the case of the Middle East. Um, our one of our chief allies is a kingdom. Yeah, Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, mm. and they 
So it's all right then. Okay, it's, I don't know. Right. I don't know any Saudis, so I'm <laughs> not gonna, gonna be, be right. an abs- I'm not gonna say anything in any absolutes. But um, their leadership is 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 shitty. They're sadistic. Well, it's a monarchy. Yeah, it's aristocracy. Yeah. Um, Brutal. And we support that. And Iran is technically the only democracy there, but there are enemies. So mm-hmm. what yeah. it comes down to is democracy isn't necessarily um, the issue at hand. It's it it is the financial concerns of america and you know who we dictate are our allies yeah you know and you know another example like that is um patrice lumumba in the congo when the when when congo got its first president the cia goes in and allegedly um assassinates lumumba and puts in you know their own dictator who was there until 1987 from 1964 till 1987 Mm -hmm. so you know, we generally haven't always been in promotion of democracy, um, but we have been in favor of um, establishing some type of security based off of financial securities, right? Yeah. I mean, I wonder if that's where my conspiracy brain goes to with uh, language. You know, I'm, I'm connecting the dots on, yeah. on the board. You know? Yeah. To be honest, I mean, I don't think the the United States in general, just speaking on, you know, imperialism of the United States, I don't think we lend support to people that don't have anything to offer us. Because, I mean, all of the countries that we're involved in have some kind of resources yeah. that we can either extract or, you know, utilize. It's not that, you know, we went to um, even <laughs> when we talk about uh, Afghanistan, I don't even think right. we went to <laughs> Afghanistan just to liberate the people because we found a trillion dollars worth of minerals <laughs> that we can extract. So I, I don't... I. I we got to liberate those minerals. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. I don't think that was like news. Like, oh, we were here. And, oh, look. That oppressed uranium, baby. Right. We just happened upon <laughs> all of this lithium, all of these minerals yeah. that we just found. Yeah. Oh. Which are, you know, used in the manufacturing production of iPhones and, yeah. you know, yeah, exactly. uh, all of the technology that we yeah. use on a, on a daily basis. Right. So, so. I don't think that's, I don't think <laughs> these are coincidences of these countries and nations that we protect and their value and, the, uh, and how many, you know, usable resources they have i, I don't think that's coincidence. well it's know. like the um what's the say the politics is war no is it war is politics through other means mm-hmm. yeah i want to say it's, it's diplomacy like, through other means yeah war warfare is uh finance through other means really is sort of uh-huh. and kind, kind of, of the uh to bring it back to the domestic side is when we were talking about imperial privilege mm-hmm. um all of us at this table turn a blind eye to this for the most part. Yeah, I was going to ask that. Like, how responsible does the average citizen feel? Not at all. Yeah. Right. I mean, we enjoy it. I'm just following right. art. I'm just doing right. my... I'm just, I'm just living my life day to day. I mean, and, and that, that, job, that comes just... for two reasons. It, it, it takes a lot to yeah. put fight into somebody. And it takes a lot to make people sacrifice. And then the question becomes, what am I sacrificing for? It's mm-hmm. not like this imperial project gave me much no. it's not like this privilege amounts mm-hmm. to much so why am i giving that up to mm-hmm. help other people that's right? the thing we, you don't want to turn a blind eye to suffering domestically we turn a blind eye to the, the suffering abroad because of this but you know it reminds me when the iraq war started i remember thinking like you know all these uh, all these basically you know well-meaning sheeple pay their taxes and these taxes buy bombs and these bombs bomb baghdad because, I mean, I don't know, I was 17, and I just thought, okay, so you think you're an okay person because you didn't pull the trigger, but you're paying for it. As it turns out, tax dollars don't pay for that stuff. They just have a blank check, and they're just pumping out as much as they can produce to make money. And so it's like, 
you know, it's like a meat grinder. We just go around throwing people through it because every time you throw a you throw a person through that meat grinder from another country, you get I don't know a million bucks or whatever. And so you know, it's like you were saying, what is it? Politics by other means? How'd you put it? Warfare by other means? Or if I just said that like war is sort of is financed through other means. Right. And so it just, it seems like, you know, usually countries have a military, a war industry. Mm-hmm. You've got a country with a war industry. Right. right. We're like a war industry with well, a country. A it's like you've got a body, maybe it has a tumor on it. Well, you don't usually see a tumor with a body on it, right? Well, it's, like, it's just, I mean, we've never really stopped kind of doing military Keynesianism, basically. Since the Second World War. Right. You know what I mean? If you pump up military spending, it's mm-hmm. good for your economy. Yeah. Right. So, oh, man. And it's good for some more than others. Right. That gets into how to make, how to use the military in a progressive process. Right. So, mm-hmm. how can we yeah. spin it? You wanted to say something, though. Yeah. I, I think that is a, kind of a, um, an outdated point of view, though. It's just using the military in order to increase your economy. Like, I think it was good when we had a lot of enemies and we could, again, offer our services for whatever you have to offer us. But now, I mean, I think other nations are proving that you don't really need a military in order to, you know, profit even from other nations. Mm. Especially with China right now, how China, instead of doing any kind of occupations Mm. and colonialism, they Mm. went as far as business Mm. propositions to all throughout Africa. Mm. And in order to, you know, create really legitimate ties with African nations, why don't we do a lot more infrastructure projects mm-hmm. and right. business decisions and whatever? Mm-hmm. And that will benefit us a lot more than war. And we China mm-hmm. hasn't been to war. When's the last time China's been to war? China mm-hmm. hasn't been to war in, since forever. I mean, they might have been involved in Vietnam. They might have had right. some involvement. Well, there's been conflict. There have been right. conflicts here and there. But, I mean, yeah, it's pretty clear. Um, weapons are good business when there are wars. Yeah. And when there aren't wars... Well, we just sell weapons. Is really what it is. You got to find. You got to yeah. find we or help, start we help wars. Fund right. other wars, yeah. right? And if there's no war, you got to start one. You know, right. Smedley Butler says, "Love Smedley." You once I mentioned Smedley Butler to you, and you're like, "You're making that up." That's a fake name. <laughs> no, it's a real Smedley, name. Smedley, Smedley Butler. That's Smedley a cartoon. Butler. That's a, it's some old white waspy <laughs> shit. I think Smedley, Smedley wow. Butler. War is a racket. It's a classic. War is a racket. He was a marine for until he, he retired, and then got burned a little bit and yeah. then retired and then this little thing war is a, gra- is a racket i recommend it huh. um yeah and kind of ta- talking about keynesianism and how we have been using the military to basically i guess expand the united states interests mm-hmm. um and the idea that we you know create the arms so we can use the arms so we can sell more arms mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and you have a military infrastructure to do that and that's the other side of the military's usefulness in an imperial project. But if you remove the imperial project, where does that leave the military? Because we talked about this before mm-hmm. um, yeah. with kind of the police abolition movement mm-hmm. and people being absolutist about it and not having right. a transitional program. Yeah. You have all then of what? these men who are men and women. Abolish gender now. Whose right. job <laughs> is to be violent. So you have this yeah. population that is geared to be violent. What are you going to do with that population when you remove their job? What are they going to do? Right? And the same question goes towards the Imperial Project of America. You you, you remove that Imperial Project, what do you do with the military? And one historical fact. Maybe. 
But one historical well, fact yeah. with that is that after World War One, the military downsized to twenty percent of what it was mm-hmm. when they ramped up for World War One. We didn't do that after World War Two. We did Keynesianism, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, more military Permanent spending. war economy, yeah. And a secondary way, like I talked about with you guys, and I've Tim, I've talked with Tim about all the time, is what if you if you remove the imperial project and you have a progressive project, the military can serve a different function because we have a national guard, right? And we have Army Corps of Engineers. We have the JAG unit in uh, the the Navy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, we can. So my chief argument recently was when Trump sent troops to the border for the border crisis. In quotes, well, he could have sent lawyers. He could have sent the mm-hmm. JAG unit mm-hmm. instead of you know uh, combatives, and they could have just processed the people in or out quick. You know, you could have just done that logistically. Mm-hmm. When we're talking about the coronavirus, why did we need Amazon to distribute the coronavirus when you have mm-hmm. the military to do that? Those are the types of jobs that you can expand, right? So mm-hmm. if you hire a socialist, who we talk to, that's who we're talking to. Mm-hmm. Um, if you talk about the logistics side of that, the military can be very useful, mm-hmm. should be very useful but so in it's, that project. It's one of our only federal institutions in this country. Right. Like, mm-hmm. absolutely... Uh, state uh it's public i mean right. so if you expand the jobs in the military domestically then you change the um the project mm-hmm. of the military you can remove the imperialism expand the jobs in the military you know have give that as an option for hey you want college we're going to give everyone the gi bill mm-hmm. when you turn 18 mm-hmm. you have the choice mm-hmm. i mean you do Kind of now, but there are limits to enlistment. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't, like, if they reached capacity, they're at capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you had it where everyone has the option, you're going to do some service. And we're going to put that under the military. We're going to mm-hmm. put that under the uh, Department of Defense, the DOD. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be, yeah, you want to be a lawyer later on in life? You're going to mm-hmm. practice law. Um, you know how to drive? You're going to drive trucks. You're going to do all of these jobs to distribute the necessities in America. And mm-hmm. what that entails is, first, domestically, we're going to have to have control of some infrastructure for these jobs to be created, like the commons. Mm-hmm. So if you want to expand internet uh, across the nation or mm-hmm. you know fix infrastructure, that would be under the Department of Defense. And that would be those would be civilian jobs that people have in order to get the GI Bill for college and you could expand the military that way mm-hmm. towards a progressive project it doesn't necessarily have mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. um you know based on conflict that's a question but you are saying certainly that military is an arm that's connected to the state apparatus and the question is it's been progressive in the past how could it be used progressively perhaps as civil service i mean the first thing that comes to mind is the eisenhower quote you want socialism Everyone should just join the military because then you get free college and you get uh, medicine until you die. The problem mm-hmm. is you can't. Not everybody can join right. at yeah. this point. As, as it is right now. I mean, there's a lot more room for additional oh, yeah. troops, but it's I mean, not 330 million. Spots. And most people aren't fighting anyways, right? No. So it's already like civil service. Right. Yeah. Which is really ironic to me. Not even ironic. Just really funny to me. Back to Tucker Carlson. Mm-hmm. When he's talking about this idea of you know women with body armor, like- the majority of troops have never seen combat. Mm-hmm. The majority of them. Yeah. 
So the majority of the men in uniform have never seen combat. But there are some females who have seen combat. Mm-hmm. So there are some females in the military who are more experienced in combat than the majority of men. Mm-hmm. So, you know, having some concessions and even just trying to, you know, accommodate them even in the slightest is not a mockery. It's mm-hmm. absolutely necess- necessary. Mm-hmm. But all right, back to our other point was um yeah, as far as uh the military kind of transitioning into a more um civil. Yeah, like civil services basically most of what the military does is along the lines of, you know, civil services and logistics. Uh-huh. Um so you it's know, already that thing is what you're saying. Yeah, it's very capable of even transitioning to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the military has trucks, lots of truck drivers and lots of uh, you know, tr- logistical plans. They have, you know, planes, cargo planes. Um, they have ships, cargo ships. We have the capabilities to become, you know, just a, 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 a more of a civil service than a military force. And um, I just think that you have to do a lot of convincing, though. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a lot of people that you have to convince because there's a lot of public or a lot of private interests involved in the military. The military mm-hmm. has a lot of defense contractors. Uh, Halliburton, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They were KBR. given bad food and bad gear, and yeah. then they're like, "Here, have some more boots. I don't need any more boots. We'll oh, take man. them." Mm-hmm. Tell you all kind of crazy stories. And about then the fake armor and the Humvees oh, and yeah. shit like yeah, that. Fake up armor. Yeah. What was that? Those, those, those things that go off in the road. IEDs. IEDs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, it turns out they weren't plating the armor right and stuff. Yeah. I mean, IEDs are tricky because, um, uh, I mean, it's all kind of IEDs, but IEDs are definitely tricky. So the original up armor wasn't strong enough, mm. not nearly, because you have, you know, some of these force penetrating IEDs that go straight through armor. Mm. You can have all the up armor you want to. It's going straight through that Humvee. Okay. That's crazy. But, yeah, I mean, the, the original up armor, if you saw it, it was maybe a quarter inch thick mm-hmm. plate. It really didn't do much. It could protect against, you know, small caliber weapons, maybe up to like, you know, AK-47. Mm-hmm. Maybe those kind of rounds, like 7.62. But it wasn't protected against really any kind of like high caliber rifle, sniper rifle, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it definitely wasn't protected against any kind of explosive devices. But then they started making better and better um, up armor. And eventually, now they have Humvees that can withstand some pretty significant blasts and pretty significant firepower but it, it was definitely a, mm-hmm. a struggle in the beginning. So the initial up armor that they had was not adequate at all. Mm. It was basically, you, you might as well have had just the, the canvas, regular doors on the Humvees. We're going to provide you as much protection as that up armor. Um, and honestly, it's going to be a lot more comfortable because it's going to be a lot cooler inside the Humvee. But yeah, so eventually they got it right though. But I think that uh, like with the... Um, trying to convince some of these defense contractors mm. to take a step back is going to be extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. Find yeah. that contract from their cold dead hands, man. probably. Man. I mean, That's a lot like, of money. Man. Man, it's crazy. But I think a lot of them do have alternatives to making weapons, to weapons manufacturing, that they can make other, you know, goods and services for the military transition. They can make lollipops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. make, you know, make candy and, 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 you know, transition, turn into a bakery, Halliburton Bakery. Or you could do, um, uh, learn about a 
prior plan of the military for the Suez Canal, they were going to build a second one with uh, 540 nukes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right, those right. bombs. What, what, uh, how are they going to fight hurricanes? Same Suez way? Too. Yeah, well, that's, that's right. <laughs> Is that, yeah, that's the Trump plan. Yeah. yeah. So it's finer moments. Yeah. Building canals and fighting hurricanes. That's God, what that's, nukes are The Suez now. Canal thing is so fucking what funny. What actually is happening with that? I don't know. <laughs> it's been stuck. It was like a, a cargo ship that got caught in a windstorm, a sandstorm. So it's like, a, it's it's it just like a constipate, like the turd is in there sideways. Basically. It's like, you know, it's a canal. It's going from, well, it's through mostly like all through <laughs> Egypt, basically. You know what I mean? And the, it got caught in a sandstorm and it basically went this way. But how is it not it, ripping the ship apart? They don't, I mean, it's kind of lucky that nothing got damaged and no one got hurt. But, you know, basically it, it just got caught in the mud. And now mm-hmm. you have these, it's so funny, that picture that's been going around of the, of the excavator trying to like dig it out. Yeah, that's pretty. And it is so fucking small. It's like it a kid just in the sandbox. Like, yeah, just, Forget it. Because I mean, these ships are <laughs> fucking huge. And, and if you look at them, yeah, if you look at the map, they've had to route all the traffic around the, you know. Mm-hmm. This stupid shit. It's crazy. Turn it into like a tourist attraction. But you're saying do Suez 2 and then we can do Halliburton without making uh, armor or whatever. You just retool them to something else. I mean, that's hard to do because if you know the tricks of the trade, you're not going to want to do something else. So like in in the instance of like where I work, um, we're starting to get involved. We we do corporate interiors, architecture, and um, for the most part, and we do labs, you know, for UFC. And since work has been slow... Corporate interiors is high rises, which means a lot of people are leaving out of the office. People mm-hmm. are working from home. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these suites aren't being filled. So we're not doing as many of those projects. So now we're starting to do like homes. Mm. So that's something I have. And that's a different job, right. um, different mm-hmm. um, details that you have to know. Um, so I can't just plug in place. We don't actually like have, you know, the standards set up as specifically so we have to retool and who wants to do that right um especially if you're already making the money the money is good when you're blowing shit up Mm -hmm. why do i want to build shit Mm -hmm. you know um but yeah they don't have the incentives to change that's the point you change the incentives or um rather than change the incentives um just if society changes Mm -hmm. us then the 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 job that's available is going to be unavailable. So they're going to adapt. Mm. So the job for us is we're always adapting to corporate interests. That's what we do. That's what the politicians do. Um, if we retool it where they have to adapt to society, where like car manufacturers mm. um, have to first adapt to, hey, you can only make a car that gets 40 miles per gallon. Or let's up that to 70 miles per gallon. Up oh, now we should just make electric cars, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if you apply pressure like that, or you give incentives like they did with um, the uh, vaccine manufacturers, mm-hmm. um, you can retool a whole uh, you know organization. They mm-hmm. can retool their factories, you know, to make hand sanitizer. Well, the way that they were car if, factories before they were If we make more pandemics, right, exactly. mm-hmm. we'll pandemics. need more hand sanitizer. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. uh-huh. So that's another way. It's another way. Mm-hmm. Disease is another way. You make more pandemics. So you think that you need you more think hand COVID-19 is war Keynesianism without war? 
That's a hot take. That's a whole conversation. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I, I, I think about this Fresh a lot. Off the like, hot take press. Thinking about like what the military could do, mm-hmm. and you, thinking about you know I like have spent time in Alabama, for instance, mm-hmm. and you know there are parts of Alabama that look. I mean, they've been designated like third world status poverty. I mean, just right. just destroyed. And you would think like you know. The United States, I mean, if you look at like the highway, like our interstate system, right? Eisenhower built the interstate system mm-hmm. after looking at the Autobahn and right. realizing that in the case of a nuclear warfare, in the case right. of a nuclear attack, it would be better to have an interstate system where mm-hmm. people could get out mm-hmm. individually Wait. much faster. And so it's interesting that like our entire infrastructure is kind of built on, mm. you know, is, is kind of it's a military infrastructure. And the so possibility of the extending, but I mean, extending that to the idea of like, what if a military was involved in going into communities and just re- rebuilding them, right. like rebuilding the infrastructure and all mm. of these commuters that are just dying, you know mm. what I mean? And like, you know, how do you convince people that that's like a worthwhile, <laughs> you convince politicians or whoever yeah. that that's like a, a worthwhile way to spend military I think that's money. easier than, um, I think think that would be easier than even trying to... So what we do now is kind of we look at like what is the corporate interest or how do we shame people into doing something? Mm -hmm. Hmm. And I think it would be easier because we like if you're talking about the discourse side of it, um, we already have the language um, of, you know, the military is virtuous, Hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So if the military does something, it comes with... uh, They're heroes. Yes. it It already comes standard that it's a good thing. The military does it. It's It's good. Right. And, you know, you can fight against that, you know, when you have the Imperial project going or you can integrate it into the progressive project and say the military is building this thing. Hey, it's still good. Right. So Hmm. they're going to build these things. They're going to be good. And that's what the population, I think, would easily be able to get used to. If if the military was doing was implementing the Green New Deal, Mm -hmm. (laughs) nobody would. No, they, there wouldn't be as much. That's the other thing. I was, I was actually thinking about that in my head too. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, having the military be in charge of transitioning us to a basically a fossil fuel, a fossil free, mm-hmm. right. you know, energy system. There. We mm-hmm. need this for combat readiness. We don't <laughs> yeah, want to be beholden to foreign interests. Mm-hmm. Green New Deal. Yeah, I see. I see. So a major feature, especially since sorry, just to please, co- please. Co- just to jump on that or just to add to that briefly is that you know one criticism that a lot of people even a lot of people, some people among the left have of the Green New Deal is that it's basically just a, a giveaway to corporate corporations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's just, what you're it's, saying, it's, it's, it's more it's capitalism? Way, yeah, it's green capitalism, right? But, you know, I mean, obviously no the, the military is, you know, you, you know, it's a civil service. It's a civil, it could be, be a civil service, this. right. And, and it's right. a way to spend money into the economy because right. all, all money is printed, right. as it were. And right. so it all comes, it doesn't come, it comes from a printing press as it were i mean i don't know if that would satisfy that you know the, that line of of thinking but it is sort the of military a, could but it do is that. there would be i mean that is i think a qualitative difference in terms of it's like what who would be you day? know who's in charge of doing this you know federal what was like I, I would rather have government issued internet than fucking at&t or whatever WPA, you know what i mean the work, public works <laughs> association or whatever that was yeah. mm-hmm. digging holes filling them in well mm-hmm. you know building high, building yeah. roads and stuff painting I mean, murals oh yeah, yeah they had the arts i mean yeah. yeah so you're saying you're saying that we could do we could uh do that that way I mean, build it. I, I mean, that was that kind of Bernie's, jobs, right? A, a second new deal. You, you, you know what I mean? Another new deal, like uh, it stimulates things, and it removes right. the argument yeah. that they always give. Oh, you want to cut defense? No, I don't, I don't right. want to cut anything. I'm just this is the military retooling it. 
Because what, what you're saying is focusing. militarize America <laughs> instead of demilitarize the police. You're saying militarize. America. <laughs> I'm saying and you're also they already the do. I mean, like we fucking a micro, microwave. This shit's military technology, man. Yeah, I mean, Let's we not fucking pretend. uses military yeah, technology. I mean, le- lefties are all beautiful souls. It's not like we're not in like an this? empire. Are you fucking kidding me? We're in an empire. Like own up to it. Oh yeah, but you're also saying second thesis. First thesis is militarize America. Like, don't shy away from it. Own it. The second one you're saying is something you might say, mill enter instead of like mill exit, right? Like, entry is a Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like entryism. Like, your old Trotskyite buddies in SA would be proud. Entryism in the military. Is it entryism? Though? I don't fucking know. I'm just like, I, like the first order. It, it that's backwards in the order, right? It isn't uh, militarizing America. It's civilizing the military, and civilianizing. Yeah. Um, For same sure. thing with the police. Um, and then once you're able to do that, then the jobs they're doing are going to be progressive, mm-hmm. and sure. it's not going to be militarized in the sense of combative. It's going to be militarized in the sense of organized, mm-hmm. structured, mm-hmm. and get shit done. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, but the hazards there are you don't want to put too much power into. You want to use the organizational capacities of the military, but mm-hmm. um, you want to also maintain civilian control of the military. And um, the part about the civilian control is in in. in it's it's important in two ways. Um, you'd have to the the civilian population has to have progressive priorities mm-hmm. for the military first. Mm-hmm. Because if you're just gonna use the military to do these projects and you don't have progressive priorities, mm-hmm. you have imperialism. You have the same project. Military is just used for that. But if you generate the progressive priorities in the population, you can use a civilized military. You can civilize the military to um uh I, I guess um you know, succeed in those mm-hmm. progressive priorities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it would be too difficult. Only issue, only, um, you know, road, road hazards I see are trying to convince some of these weapon manufacturers um, whether or not they are going to be able to take part in, in, in... So here's what you do first. So here's what I think that you have to do is you're really just going to have to... Are exercise. y'all taking notes? Yeah, like mentally though. No, I mean the people listening. <laughs> Timothy's going to tell you what to do. I think you really need to exercise that tumor, man. Like there's some there's some investments that you might have to say, hey, this year in the budget, we're not giving you anything because we don't have anything for you. This is not a project that we need to be funding right now, and we're okay with that. We're not saying that this is going to be the death of your company, but as of right now, we just don't need these uh, these services that you want to provide us. Like as far as we were talking about the F thirty five, the we had hmm. a you know fighter pilot. Or fighter plane. Um, a trillion dollars later. Yeah. <laughs> Our joint fighter that we were supposed to be building is this F-35. It really never came to fruition. We just keep paying for it year after year after year, spending billions of dollars on this project that's not doing anything. Same thing happened with the uh, Comanche, which was an attack helicopter. Mm-hmm. Nothing came with this shit. So, I mean, it's not... It's not but with, that's the truth of it, right? Yeah. Because it, what it is is like... You know, you can die from loss of blood. The blood just exits your body. But yeah. just imagine it like inverted. It's like instead of blood, it's money. It's just right. you're hemorrhaging money into right. the the war 
manufacturing, yeah. the, the war industry. And nothing's happening. So I think it's just going to take a, a... At least people aren't getting killed when you pay for a weapon that never gets produced. <laughs> these people, you know, like these yeah. people just keep getting money for yeah. fucking nothing and it just spills right. money into the economy, but at least it's not producing a weapon. I mean, yeah. look on the bright side. It's a waste of money. So, <laughs> again, to make, to, to make my Trotskyist buddies right. happy, um, instead of injecting money into, you know, building, you know, shit that we can't use mm -hmm. you know it's a transitional demand inject that money into <laughs> infrastructure that's right uh, just 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 saying that and what i was saying before is um here here's how you get it done right so we're talking about halliburton being the problem so we know that we have a cia well, i mean it's not like just halliburton sure it's sure what's well, the public private nature the military industrial complex is the problem but we also know that our CIA is very good at destabilizing, mm -hmm. you know, other countries, mm -hmm. you know, uh, financial organizations, their industries. It's what you do. You send the CIA in. To get rid of the to get military rid of industrial complex? Yeah. <laughs> right. So you civilize the CIA first, and then you send them in. I feel like that's really, that's a, yeah, that's, that's recent. sinister, <laughs> man. I couldn't and have then, imagined that. Right. You know, that's, that's how you... I mean, I'm sure that if you gave them the money, the CIA would be all for it. But Entryism yeah. into the CIA. Yeah, what would that be? CIA Um So you're saying there's a political task there and we should own it instead of shy away from it. Yeah. Right. And use what you got. Yeah, man. You both wanted to say something, I think. I sensed. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's possible. I just think that either you're going to have to convince these corporations, these mm -hmm. defense contractors to get them on board, or you're just going to have to ignore them. And but yeah, I think it's a really easy sell as far as national defense and revolutionizing your entire infrastructure. Texas is a good example of why you need some kind of uh, you know um, any kind of infrastructure reform in the United States and why mm -hmm. we need to make this a priority. Mm -hmm. They had one day or a, a couple a couple days of extremely cold weather, mm -hmm. and the entire grid went down. Yeah, so that, that's, that's really, just insane. That is that's insane. This is you know a. a a huge state, the massive, one of the largest, if not the largest energy producing mm -hmm. state in the country, and they go down because of a- They have their own grid, yeah. Yeah. Nah, just because of a, a little bit mm -hmm. of cold, they went down, and you had the senators fleeing the country, and it got bad, man, just for a couple of days of cold. So that's just clearly evident that you need some kind of infrastructure projects. And I think that's a pretty easy sell for- more, mean, more federal government, too. Right, yeah. Just, we need it. Right, federally involved. This is something that is going to affect- you know, this isn't something that's just mm. going to be isolated to Texas. This mm. could have happened anywhere. So, yeah, because you're not a citizen of Texas. You're not a citizen of Illinois. You're a citizen right. of the United States of America. Yeah, man. And so you can <laughs> shit on. You say, oh, I don't like the feds. I don't like the government. Whatever. Yeah. Tough shit. You're a citizen of the United States of America. If you're a patriot, fucking own it. And right. I'm and a the, world citizen. And the, <laughs> so, okay. well, don't apply to me. But I mean, people <laughs> call themselves Water patriots should consider that next time they poo-poo uh, federal government because, I mean, the military is what's going to get called in there anyways to save Texans when the, you know, they got to, you know, help. Mm, Someone's yeah. got to hold their hand to get the power grid back on there because their own fucking stupid ass little mayor in their podunk little town says that it's not his job to make sure that their infrastructure works. Right. I don't know if y'all remember <laughs> right. that. Yeah, that man. was pretty rich. Yeah. Like, whose job is it then? Like, who? I don't understand who's responsible for it. You know, Texas. If, why do you if, have a job? Uh, That'd yeah. be like me saying it's it's not my job to make sure that your house stays up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean it collapsed? You can't sue me. You, they're looking for job. a handout. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fix that yourself. Goddamn! Did they ever say if they were gonna not if they were or weren't gonna reimburse the people who had this like fifteen thousand dollar electric bills? 
Oh, I have no idea. I was wondering about that. I don't remember how, like, if they explain that. Because that's ridiculous. Yeah, that was nuts. Adam, you got something? Well, I was just thinking, like, you know, circling background to, mm-hmm. like, military conscription or something. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, yeah, you know, those, these are the kinds of projects that I think would make sense. And, you know, like, infrastructure projects. Like, you know, you could basically kind of collapse some form of military conscription with like a, basically like a federal jobs guarantee. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. you get a job for two, three, four, whatever your contract Mm -hmm. is, you know what I mean? And that'll set the minimum wage. It'll set the minimum wage. You also have training. You get to do, you're doing a public service, you know, Mm -hmm. civil service. And I mean, that would radically transform our country. I think in the economy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what do you think about universal conscription? I also wanted to ask you like how you might picture it because I mean, you said most of the military is already de facto a kind of federal civil service. One of the few things that Americans uh, could engage with as uh, citizens of America, not just a, an inhabitant of a state. Um, right. I mean, what about so like Frederick Jameson sort of argues contentiously, yeah. famously, like we should have universal mandatory military conscription and then we have something like socialism and, you know it might change the military to have everyone in it. Yeah. I mean, it would expand it just tremendously, but I don't think it would be a bad thing, especially, you know, if your if your agenda is for infrastructure projects and really kind of building your entire country, then yeah, I don't see why. I don't want to say conscription because it just sounds so bad. Yeah. People think of conscription and think, oh, I'm going to war. Or, right. Oh, I'm getting, mm-hmm. I'm getting sucked in. I'm getting drafted. But yeah, as far as, you know, somebody having to do or, having the opportunity to do two years, four years of service. And that's going to guarantee a federal job that can set the minimum wage. I wasn't even thinking of that. That's really mm. a twofer right there. That's yeah. the way to tool it. Yeah. yeah. Set the minimum wage with these federal jobs programs. And yeah, now you have. Just call it an internship. Yeah. Right. <laughs> call it that. And interestingly, like I, I read the book, Bullshit Jobs, David Graeber, and he was talking about like the antipathy for um, like uh, celebrities and the antipathy for even teachers, mm-hmm. um, uh, how they're like the most ridiculed, but they're kind of like the lowest paid, the lowest paid jobs, the, the jobs that create the most, that are the most productive get paid the least. Right. Because mm. psychologically, he's saying we have an expectation that, oh, you're doing a good thing. You get to feel like a moral mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. So you shouldn't also want to be paid well. It's crazy. Right. And I think and he also goes on to say, like, for like conservatives, um, the military is that way to be a good person. Right. To mm-hmm. do service. Mm. Um, same way being a teacher is for liberals. Mm. And if we were to expand the military, Mm -hmm. then people who are conservative and Americans at large start to have that unity of, yeah, we get to do good, right? All of us. We all have access to the ability to have a job that is productive and does good. And that that is psychologically Mm -hmm. good for Mm -hmm. individuals and America at large as a country. So I, I think... It, it can have very positive effects if you expand the jobs of the military to do infrastructure. And even further on that point is like Tim was saying, most of the, the jobs in the military are logistics jobs and we don't even utilize them. Right. Mm-hmm. Even the jobs that we have that are oriented towards logistics and infrastructure, we don't even use them now. Mm-hmm. So that's the first step, you know, like 
why wasn't the military distributing the vaccine? Right. Um, well, they are now. Why did we wait after the levees break broke for mm. the mm. Army Corps of Engineers to go in and fix right. the problem? Why don't we just prevent these problems since we have a military who's capable? Mm. Yeah, man. So there was a lot of times when the military should have got involved, especially during the coronavirus. Yeah, that's what I thought at the beginning. Like yeah. mandatory yeah. lockdown two weeks. If you yeah. leave your house, you're gonna get, you know, the zip ties on your hands. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Seriously, that's. I mean, complain about China, but they fucking got it under control. I mean, let's let's look at South Korea. How they said everybody stay in your house, but in order to stay in your house, you're gonna need food, you're gonna need water. So mm-hmm. they were like, all right, we'll bring it to your door. Mm-hmm. Use the military right. to bring them supplies. That's service. The U.S. could have did public that service. Yeah. I don't understand why we didn't do that. Well, I think a lot of Americans are afraid of this stuff because we don't, I mean, deep down, we don't look at the state as our own. Um, we don't, we, we don't, um, I mean, people talk about patriotism, but they say shit like, I love my country, I hate my government, stuff right. like this. And yeah. so when they mm-hmm. see the army or the military doing anything domestic, you know, it can only be abroad. Mm-hmm. Right, right, because right. if you're here, you're limiting my liberty. Exactly. Even if I'm living in squalor. You you know, if, but if it's gonna be abroad, she better not have form fitting. <laughs> right, <Arm. Body> <laughs> right, that's right. That's a bad joke. Wah, wah. Better not. <laughs> <laughs> you and funny. Tucker, yuck yuck. <laughs> that dude's um, crazy, man. Couldn't resist. Yeah, I hate his stupid looking face. Um, he does. He has a mopey, punchable does, face. Yeah. yeah. You seen um, um, what is that? Uh, um, Step Brothers. No, <laughs> it's your face. Punch your face. It's your face. <laughs> is there anything I can do it? about that? No. I haven't seen it, but I've seen some punchable faces. Yeah. Yeah, man. I think yeah, you definitely need to convince people that the military is for more than just fighting mm-hmm. wars and stomping on other nations. Well, this is a problem with left leftism. I think from the '60s onwards, because so much bad stuff happened after the last right, war with military. Right. Um, well, I mean, I think the, yeah. Well, I mean, I think part of it hate it, right? Well, and, and understand just haven't really like seen the military do those. You know what I mean? In right, a visible right. way, mm. it's not as visible as war. You know what mm. I mean? Like going to fucking fix a road or whatever. Right. It's like, well, we also tend <clears> to shy away from it instead of say, well, whether it's good or bad. No, I remember saying Bush isn't my president. Right. And I worked in this shitty little restaurant. Bless all their hearts. They're not bad people. Um, but the boss said, he is your president. <laughs> and I said, no, he's not. That's bullshit. I, I, I don't care. And she said, no, he is your president. Now, you know, I see now, even if you don't like it, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's. And Rose Villa? He's a, that's right, Rose Villa. Yeah. He's a son of a bitch, but he's our son of a bitch. And that doesn't mean he's okay. That means there's something's got to be done about it and clean it up and stuff. But, Mm -hmm. you know, what about this, guys? One thing I was thinking, like alternative to universal military conscription. I I ran this past you. Like universal mandatory prison conscription. (laughs) This is a whole other episode. Right. Like like, super jail? It's it's like... Civil service. Like in Germany uh, until recently in Israel, you had to do your civil service. Yeah. But in, okay, let's say starting 2022, everyone has to do six months in prison. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's a felon. Let's go. So what do you think? Let's just, let's do a round to to close it out. Like how would society change if we had universal prison conscription? So six months, everyone's This is really interesting. So So the wine would be different. Um, (laughs) 
It'd you be know, terrible. Um, All the food would be terrible. Well, the yeah. ramen would be top notch. Still terrible, though. I it mean, would be better than better than you know. You learn creative ways. Yeah, to, to better deal than straight out the package with the ramen situation. Um, people will be. It, it's I don't know. Uh, this, this is um, cliche, but cigarettes would gain prominence again. Mm-hmm. Or we could use make a comeback. Make right. a comeback. Um, and um, I think. I think we would have an advancement in logistics for sure, because the way of getting mm-hmm. contraband into prisons is yeah. man, very industrious population. Man, they are creative. You, ah, so you're saying you get some better stuff? In oh there. yeah, we mm-hmm. would learn some real ways of just trans, uh, uh, you know, uh, transferring some kind of goods and services to mm-hmm. places that we shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And then on the man. woke tip, we might want to like integrate prison. You know, so that we have unisex prisons. Oh yeah, okay. Diverse. Yeah. We need to diversify the prisons. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Okay. Just have so. like co-SL. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on a serious third. note, on a serious note, though, I think <laughs> one thing that would probably happen is I think that oh. our attitude toward sentencing would change. Oh, for mm-hmm. sure. Oh, man. You know what I You've mean? Been there. Talk like about if, lived experience. Right, exactly. So, prison. I mean, you know, because we have this fucking idea, like, you know, people think, oh, he's only going to jail for two years and like, two, fuck him. Like, yeah, just think about like, forever. most people can't handle two weeks in their own apartment. Right. Like, two fucking years <laughs> in a cell where you have nothing. That's serious punishment. That's insane. There like, was... cra- and the idea that that's like, not enough for certain things. That, yeah. Like, you know, I mean, I think that that would change if, if we all had to spend six months fucking just in a goddamn prison cell. It would become more about rehabilitation and not about punishment. Mm. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. We might Absolutely. be less We're on to something here. Absolutely. Let's get this going. Could you yeah. imagine if, yeah. I remember <laughs> I was reading about the guy who was at the, um, the, 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 um, the insurrection at the Capitol. Mm. Yeah. And he was in jail for like a week. And he the, was, the shaman who only yeah, eats no, 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 not him, vegan not him. diets. Well, there's that guy too. He can't eat because he doesn't have Is this job. organic? Or, yeah. No. It's some magical It's crazy, man. But there was, there was another guy who was, I think he was the one who had his feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk. Mm. Oh, yeah. He was complaining about his treatment in prison. How this is unfair and that there's no reason why he should be in prison for this long when other people have got released. Like, man, did you not know that you committed a crime? <laughs> no, he doesn't. In his mind, he doesn't. <laughs> That's so crazy to me. So I think, yeah, if everybody went to prison at that initial six months, it's just hard time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that uh, a lot of people might change their, 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 definitely might change their opinions on how we treat criminals, mm-hmm. especially like drug-related in- incidents. Oh, yeah. Somebody wanted to jump for 15 years. Put it in perspective. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think if rich people had to go to prison too, they'd be a lot nicer. Or yeah. you just make yeah. it where your first crime gets you that six month sentence. Oh, you were speeding? <laughs> oh, <laughs> prison <man>. for six months. <laughs> so you, you get you get it on both ends. You get, you can still have the good old American punishment. You know, we love to punish people. Get that, dude. Um, Bad idea. Not not every time. It's just the first time. This is no, how you I mean, get the even mandatory. the first time. Because imagine if you get pulled over for a speeding ticket, you know you're going to jail for six months. I might as well go rob a bank. <laughs> that's right. Your bucket list. Just right. Take them off. Bad idea. Scratch yeah. that. Yeah. Just do it all. Man, all I get is six months. Yeah, I'm going out. Well, I was yeah. thinking like, okay, so until, I don't know what, middle of the t- last century, um, the ruling class basically, you know, they had a canon of books that they all read. They learned Greek and Latin. Right. They had yeah. these shared formative experiences that right. brought them together. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're all citizens in a republic, it seems like it could be good for forming a sort of cohesive sense of um, 
identity, mm-hmm. national, you know, civic virtue. You know, you have some like civil service. Well, but you know, we could just sort of imprison people. Imprison people. Because that's what we do in America. More than China. Well then we could use then we could use prison labor to to build all the uh, Yeah, there you go. Then then you've been exploited (laughs) to the hilt. You know it's like the prison industrial complex. There we go. Just use the prisoners. That's right. Make slavery great again. You know, right. This started off as a horrible idea. This is sounded better and better. <laughs> <laughs> I think it could be good. People walk out of there with a different look on life. Man, that's right. yeah. That's right. Could you imagine being like a, 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 a son of a billionaire and knowing that you have to be in prison? Get down there with the rest of them. Yeah. The rats and the roaches. You're going to be there for six months. Well, I'd clean the place up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just like I think if everyone in America went through the military, it would change the military. Or yeah. if you abolish public schools. And what? everyone has to go to the same schools. What do you mean? It's going to be different. Everyone has to go to a charter school? If everyone goes to a public school. Oh, you mean uh, abolish? Oh, abolish private schools. Yeah, yeah. Abolish private yeah. schools. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Schools are going to get better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think what we're saying is we need, we need participation in public institutions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bottom line. Prison. <laughs> Prison above all. Yeah. Yeah. Civilize America. <laughs> 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 all right. Man. All right, yeah. Oh, well, thanks, Timothy's my brother. I think we've addressed the bullying problem. Thank you for fighting for me. Fighting the good fight. Nice to meet you, Timothy. Nice to meet you guys. Yeah, you too. Stop picking on my brother. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are big guys. You know, neither one of you needs any help. Look at us. Look at us. Look at you guys. I can't imagine this dude needing help from me. Like, why do you need my help? I'm sensitive. Your arms are like my thighs, man. (laughs) It's fucking crazy. Peace. Good fight. Good night. Good night. Thanks for having me. Peace out.